Hi everybody, and welcome back to... I don't have an intro for this one either. This is the Zillennial Canon. I'm Kira. Wow, Kira, I really dug that opening. Shut the fuck <laughs> That's it. You know who I am. Okay, and today we have a very special guest with us, if they want to introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Deirdre. Uh, Kareen. <laughs> Longtime friend, longtime listener, friend and listener since the beginning. Yes. My good pal Deirdre. Happy to be here. Welcome, welcome. So, Deirdre, Deirdre selected the movie for tonight and, or this week, whatever. You guys know we always record like in the middle of the night. Um, so Deirdre, did you want to explain why you chose this movie this week? Yes. Um, this movie that uh, we're watching this week is Holes, um, which I have been friends with Kira for uh, 18 years. And um, it was very dear to our hearts. Uh, <laughs> or at least Shia LaBeouf was very dear to our hearts <laughs> um, in our elementary school years um yeah I love this movie um I think of uh, being on our family vacations and watching this DVD and being seven years old and talking about Shia LaBeouf with Kira when I think of this movie (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's no secret. My love for Shia LaBeouf um, had a poster of him in my middle school locker, and I thought I was cool and different. Um, Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. And I actually, full disclosure, I found out today that he's 5'9", but (laughs) I'll make an exception. (laughs) Maybe, I, I don't know, he probably added that inch on his Wikipedia to look yeah. taller, yeah, probably. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> it's like um, the Donkey Kong meme. She's like, "I'll Kira's like, I'll go over five eight just once." <laughs> you may spank <laughs> it just once. once. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Adam, what memories do you have with holes? Oh, I have so many memories with holes. Um, I, I, in fact, I don't even know the first time I watched it. I know it happened at some point, like, right after it came out on DVD. Like, I probably got it at, like, a Blockbuster or Hollywood video or something. Um, But my memory wasn't really my first time I watched it. It was, like, the following years, because it was one of the only movies that my school owned. (laughs) And this was, like, the movie... uh, I don't know if your school did this, too, or not, but, like, they had, like, a... They played, like, a movie over their system, so all the classrooms could watch it on the TV. No, we and didn't have that what? technology. <laughs> we yeah, didn't like, have that technology. <laughs> like, we had a media room, and they would play the movie in the media room, and if you change it to a channel, you could watch it in any classroom on campus. I thought things like that only existed in Max Keeble's Big Move. No, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it exists in the universe of Max Keeble in Florida. So those are the only two places you can do that. Um, wow. But whole, it was there was only two movies, no, like three movies that... 
uh, my school played. It was like Finding Nemo, the Polar Express, even if it was like fucking August, mm-hmm. and uh, Holes. And it was usually Holes because every kid loved Holes. Like they would vote on it, and everyone would be like, "Do Holes? It has to be Holes." And every year, like after like the 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 yearly tests, like the FCAT. I don't know for Florida listeners, the FCAT, the big test. Like we uh we would watch Holes after the test was over. We would watch on the last day of school. Uh, the last day before any holiday like they'd play it every time at school i've seen this movie so many times i know every line to it <laughs> um i can rap the uh in credit rap like <laughs> verse for verse it is engraved in my mind why don't this you movie, do that adam why don't you do I'm, that bro i'm not you, <laughs> you guys gonna venmo me for like 20 dollars a minimum <laughs> I'm not for the Patreon. <laughs> yeah, for the Patreon subscribers. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, the Patreon subscribers gonna, yeah, hit me up for that. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, uh, I've I've also just like revisited a lot. Like even like as a teenager, like I always went back to it. Very watchable movie, and it holds up extremely well. Like pretty much my entire life. Yeah, I was thinking that because I haven't really watched it in a long time. Um, but. Like, obviously, it was very, like, vivid in my brain, like, a lot of it. Um, But this is probably a movie that, like, from my youth probably holds up the best, if not more, than any movie I've ever watched in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm trying to, like, think of, Um, like, other movies we've done. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Oh, it's okay. I was just going to say that um, I think for me as a kid, one of my memories is I was, when I was a kid, I always wanted movies that were adapted from books to be close to the book. And this one is pretty much exactly the same because um, the author wrote the screenplay. And I think that's why it holds up so well, too, because it's a zillennial book-to-movie adaptation, but it's not, um, like, just... It's not, like, Lemonade Mouth, where (laughs) (laughs) Lemonade Mouth was a young adult book that they watered down for Disney. Like, <laughs> I've actually been uh, really interested this like in this lately because I've been wanting to make a stupid tweet and I finally tweeted it today and the tweet was I am a bitch because I grew up reading Dear Dumb Diary books and I was trying to like plug in like a specific book series that I like read as a child and I was gonna do like Judy Moody and I like was reading about Judy Moody And I was like, wait, there was a, like, really stupid movie about this. And then I was, like, gonna (laughs) tweet, like, I am a bitch because I grew up reading the Ramona and Beezus books. And then I was like, (laughs) wait, there was a really bad Ramona and Beezus movie, too. And then um, the, like... And then, like, I saw a TikTok that referenced Dear Dumb Diary. Then I looked at that, and there was a really bad movie of that as well. And I was just like, okay... And it really got me thinking, like, thank God Judy Bloom didn't let this happen. And she just gave the rights to, I think it was Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. Maybe it's a different one. But she just gave the rights to the um, filmmaking team that made um, The Edge of Seventeen. And I'm like, finally. 
<laughs> we are yeah. eating today, girls. <laughs> <laughs> Although the team of Edge of Seventeen did do Scoob, so maybe oh, they no. can't okay. be trusted. We bring up Scoob on every single episode of this, regardless of what movie we are covering, and I am <laughs> sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of Scoob 2020. <laughs> <laughs> but I trust them to make a coming of age film because uh Zillennial stream Edge of Seventeen and you will cry. Scoop twenty twenty isn't all Zillennial Canon is fit for. I'm so sick of it. <laughs> we have minds as well as souls. <laughs> Sorry. Speaking of wow. women. <laughs> Pulse twenty twenty. <laughs> There's one woman in this there. movie and it's the journey <laughs> And Patricia Arquette. Oh, yeah. Listen, like, kissing Kate Barlow. What a concept. (laughs) Yo. (laughs) He, I mean, she's, I I forgot. Every, like, five seconds, I'm like, oh, my God, it's that actor. It's that person. Yeah. um, Just for reference, all the actors that I noticed in this movie. Um, Henry Winkler, right off the bat. Love a surprise, Henry Winkler. Um, I can't remember. (laughs) There's always. Surprise Winkler in a Zillennial <laughs> film. <laughs> um, there's, uh, I, I forgot her, the actress's name, but she, it's the woman who plays Madame Zeroni, and she. Eartha Kitt. And she, yeah, and she voices. Uh, Eartha Kitt. She's in the Emperor's New Groove as well. As, mm-hmm. um, um, and then, uh, uh, what's her name? Um, or what's his name? The John Voight as the I forgot oh, that's him. John Voight. Okay, John Voight is an ugly bastard, and that's the only reason oh, yeah. why he's cast in things. He's not talented. He's not talented, but he fits this role. Really he's just well. ugly. That's why they cast him in things, and I'm allowed to say that because he's like the dumbest Republican of all time. He's also Angelina Jolie's dad. Just a fun fact. I do enjoy how he like has to get into his studio every time he tweets. Like he just sets up the lighting and everything. It's kind of admirable, but. Um, Tim Blake Nelson, always a pleasure to watch. Like, just so many people in this goddamn movie. Like, so many people. Tim Blake Nelson is Leno Cannon, I think. Yeah, I think Tim Blake Nelson. Um, because uh, Hold and Hoot were our two, like, and Newsies were our three vacation dvds but both of those movies so he's a shockingly large part of (laughs) yeah (laughs) i feel like i didn't like know that he existed until like the past few years when i saw like coen brothers movies or whatever but then like when i knew that he existed and i like went back and watched these movies i was like wait tim blake nelson has been around for that long i just like wasn't incredibly talented too like he's such a good actor um patricia arquette just imagine my surprise when i realized it was her um after watching lost highway the other day and seeing an obscene amount of her (laughs) and then imagine my surprise speaking of seeing an obscene amount of a person that fucking azamat from borat is in this movie yes i uh an obscene amount of a person that we have seen in a completely different context Ozmat from Borat I screamed at Mia while we were watching I'm like that's Borat's best friend <laughs> like as soon as he ha- we, like, have I- s- we have seen inside of this man <laughs> <laughs> 
and I'll say this, like, um, I love the kids in this movie. Like, every single kid is great in this movie. And I was surprised to, like, look yeah. at their uh, IMDb's afterwards because none of them have really done anything since this movie. Like, at least uh, in regards to acting. And I, because I felt like this movie was such a big hit and they did such a great job at it. I would have expected them to, like, go on to do, like, other things. But it's really only Shia that, like, branched out from it, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of times, like, that's something that really sucks is that, like, if it's a big group of, like, a bunch of talented kids, like, very rarely will, like, a good amount of them, like, break out. Like, I don't know. It's hard to, like... Except for, like, the Stranger Things kids where then they just cast them and... It's just like one group of kids that they cast and everything. Yeah, because kids for. <laughs> that's like the Netflix like streamline. I feel like. <laughs> yes. But then again, it is Disney, so it's, I'm surprised that like, I don't know. Yeah, I think um, it, I, it's kind of interesting to see like uh, just how. Like, it's weird, like, it's like, this one has, like, such a central core group, and, like, I, I told Mia this while we were watching, I'm like, it, it's so believable when they get to that point that, like, Caveman's willing to take the fall for them, because until that point, it's like, they're kind of dicks to each other, but there's, like, a sincerity to, like, their relationship as, like, dudes just kind of confined to the same situation, and it's not, like, overly heartfelt, it just feels really sincere and real, like, the portrayal of friendship. But it never, like, yeah. blatantly tells you or, like, explains to you why they trust each other, you know? It's just kind of, like, this underspoken thing, which makes it more effective by the end, like, when they, uh, you know, when they, like, when, you, when like, Caveman's leaving and stuff. Like, it, it makes it more effective because you care about each individual. Um, kind of, like, watching Stanley change as he... Like, he comes with those kids, but he, at the same time, is, like, I don't know. He's kind of growing up super fast, but it's, like, he's changing because he's in this prison. Yeah. (laughs) And his, like, humanity is being taken away. Uh, You know, digging a hole every day. Um, And I just, like, uh, the friendships were really good to watch. Oh my god, I'm my words. Excuse me. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's my time. Um, but I just thought really well done how he assimilated to that environment. Um, and there was like little tiny moments where you saw him losing himself a little bit. Um, I don't know. I thought Shia did a good job. <laughs> As usual. <laughs> As per usual. Yeah, Shia is, like, incredible in this movie. And I think also the kid that plays Hector is amazing. Um, He's so good. Especially because, like, his whole thing is, like, like, of the character is that he doesn't talk. And I feel like that's, like, so... That's, like, such a good performance to be able to, like, convey so much without being, like, without speaking. 
And that's really, really cool with like a kid actor being able to accomplish that, I think. Yeah. And like, well, like that scene where he like hits Tim Blake Nelson over the head with like the shovel. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, like I have so many memories of like the first time I watched that at school and like mm-hmm. my entire classroom, like literally like going feral over it. Like there's like, <laughs> it was like the Avengers end game crowd. Like, there's, <laughs> oh, like it was so great. Um, <laughs> um but also like his relationship with um with stanley like it's just so sincere Mm -hmm. and like and just like everything else in the movie that like i already talked about like just the core friendship between all the boys but like very specifically like the relationship between um you know stanley and zero is like just so it's just so sweet like there's just something so I don't know. Like I could just watch it forever. And like when he goes back for zero, like it's just, it's so, Oh, I love it so much. It's, it it just like, it's one of the best like depictions of like youth friendship. I think I've ever seen in one of these like Disney movies Um, pretty much ever. I think. Yeah. um, Also like the writing, like I forgot that zero was uh, that he, like his last name was like Zeroni (laughs) and literally the writing in this like i don't know better writing it's so like good. i saw a letterbox review that was like holes guess what this plot has none of them and i was like true <laughs> like the amount of like things in this that are like set up and just everything just comes full circle and like i just am obsessed with the idea of like a generational like cr- like curse and how like everything is in a cycle and I am obsessed with how it all comes together. Like, like it also is amazing. How, like, but also, like, how future generations are capable of breaking cycles. Yeah. Of, like, toxic behavior. Like, yeah. that's, it's kind of beautiful, like, when you, like, really examine it. Like, it's, it's a beautiful movie about, like, family and, like, evolving and, like, changing the course of history from what it's usually uh, you know, doing in a cycle. I, I I could write a whole thesis on this movie, honestly. It's so yeah. beautiful. <laughs> I wrote down, it's not luck, it's generational trauma. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I thought it was, like, really nuanced, too, how, like, they talk about, like, in, like, a digestible way for kids, I guess, like, about just, like, class and like race and things like that um without like being upfront about things but just kind of like giving kids things to think about I think and then be like why are things like that um one line that specifically stood out to me that was like really sad was when Shia LaBeouf's mom was writing to him at camp and she said your letters make me feel like other moms who can afford to send their kids to summer camp because he was, like, lying that the camp was actually, like, a nice place because he doesn't want his family to, like, feel bad for him. Um, and I was like, wow, what a way to, like, word something. Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> also, the kids, um, whenever you hear what they're in for, I think, I think I noted all of them. You hear that Magnet stole a puppy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zero was picked up for stealing a pair of shoes from Payless. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Stanley, but like, yeah, I didn't, I don't, I didn't remember noticing that, but like just thinking about the way they present that. Yeah. 
Also, Magnet, I didn't pick up on the fact that it was, like, a puppy at first. And I, like, I don't know if I, like, zoned out or whatever. But the way that it's, like, worded when they're, like, going around, like, talking about it. Like, he was, like, oh, like, they shouldn't be, like, locked up like that. Like, and, like, I thought it was, like, alluding to, like, prison. Like, I thought they were talking about, like, people in prison. But he was talking about, like, stealing the puppy so that it wouldn't be, like, locked up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, like, each, it's weird, like, even the kids that, like, don't get, like, a lot of backstory, like, at the end of the day, like, you don't learn, like, a lot about, like, X-Ray, like, they don't explain a lot to you about him, but by the end, you, like, fully realize his character without actually having to go through the motions of knowing everything about how he got to the camp, too, you know? So, like, even though they don't fully explain everything to you, you still get, like, a good sense of, like, who they are as people, and that's what makes it feel more like real, I guess. Yeah. They're all so fleshed out in the very small amount of screen time that they all have. Yeah. And like, I, and I think like the best like moment that really defines like all their characters, is like the moment where, um, I, I, what x-ray is the one that actually steals the sunflower seeds. Right. Or is it someone else? I think. Um, but, uh, when they steal the sunflower seeds and then caveman takes the fall for it, and then, like, everyone's like, why are you doing this? Like, they've been nothing but dicks to you. But, like, he does it anyways. And, like, there's just, like, a mutual understanding from that point forward. Like, it's just this silent thing that's just, I think, so great about this movie. Um, and then by the end, of course, like, when they're all finally, like, reunited and it starts to rain, it's, like, it's just, it's so great. Like, it's such a euphoric moment. Like, I don't know if any other... Like not since Mama Mia when it started raining. Oh my god! (laughs) Is is rain at the end of the movie Zillennial Canon? Yes. Yeah, because a Cinderella story. Waiting for you is like waiting for rain in the middle of this drought. (laughs) (laughs) Disappointing and useless. (laughs) Um, just a little thing for Zillennial listeners. Um, so was it Paranormal Activity that we did for Halloween this year, Adam? Yes. What was the last? Okay, so we were supposed to do a Cinderella story. <laughs> yeah. Because that's a Halloween movie, and Adam didn't believe me that it was a Halloween movie. No, I like I I got what you were saying. I just don't know if I agree with it. Because <laughs> like it takes like twenty no like fifteen minutes of that movie takes place on Halloween. Like it's. But it's the climax of the film. Okay. Ask Hillary Duff if she thinks it's a Halloween movie. All right, well, she'll say yes. And then she'll also talk about how, unfortunately, the Lizzie McGuire reboot was canceled because uh, Disney didn't want Lizzie McGuire to... They wanted her to be an incel. (laughs) (laughs) They wanted to pull out the Skywalker on her. I can't. Okay. (laughs) This... The Disney rat, Mickey Entertainment Mouse, has no rights. Even though we only cover Disney movies. (laughs) I've been like the last three movies, like been, or like a lot of the like last three months have just been Disney exclusively. Yeah, and uh, a little hint at next month. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Are you guys in for a treat? Okay. Did you guys ever read Small Steps, the sequel to Holes? Yeah. No. Oh, no. I didn't even know that was a thing. It is so good. It's like a spinoff. Um, but it's about um, like Theodore Armpit after the camp, like a few years after, like trying to get his life back together. Oh, wow. 
And I think I read it more times than Holes just because I like had it <laughs> and I didn't have Holes. I Wait, actually never I read Holes. You should. It's just like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> if you like the movie, wait until you read the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I also didn't have holes, but had small steps. Yeah. I think I it was think- mostly because, like, I would, like, get holes out of the library. And then, like, I was in Borders with my mom. Or, like, Best Bargain Books or something. And I was like, whoa, I've never heard of this. Can I get this? And she's like, sure. Best bargain books i haven't heard that name in years <laughs> for context adam i don't know if it's a chain but let me look it up I, it sounds familiar well one day in our childhood a big like a huge just like warehouse appeared <laughs> it's called best bargain books and it was like they had the most like random books like they had some new releases like i think i got the justin bieber book there um but then they had like yeah, just like the most random shit of all time. They and it had was those, fun. Like, uh, Egyptology, Dragonology. Yeah. Books. I, oh, I remember that shit. <laughs> the fucking drag, like all the ology books. Yeah. Oh all God. I wanted was the fairy one. All I, I had, I had pirateology, and it came with a fucking like feather, like a <laughs> captain's hat feather. And I'm like, this is the dumbest shit ever, but also I need to spend thirty dollars on it. <laughs> Yeah. They were really fun. Yeah. I just liked that there were like envelopes in them with like mysterious things. Yeah. 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 It was cool. Like, I mean, (laughs) I don't like, I remember that shit was like overpriced as fuck back at the Scholastic Book Fair. Like, yeah. It was like taxed up, like nobody's business. I'm going to order the fairy one from uh, eBay right now. Yeah, and then it'll take like eight <laughs> weeks to get here. You're not going to yeah. get to the new year. Let me see what they go for now. <laughs> um, yeah, my older brother had gnomeology. Like, what the fuck is that? Gnomeology? <laughs> like about gnomes. <laughs> he loved gnomes for some reason. Um, I can tell you one reason. It's called Gnomeo and Juliet. No, it was pre-Gnomeo and Juliet, actually. I don't know a world before Gnomeo and Juliet. All right, well, pack it up, Elton John. <laughs> Talk about Sherlock Gnomes. Sherlock Gnomes. <laughs> All I know is that they like show so much more ass in that that I'm comfortable with. Not just any ass, no mass. Like like ceramic no mass. <laughs> <laughs> ceramic no. No. <laughs> I'm gonna tw- change that to my Twitter name. Please do ceramic no mass. No mass. <laughs> there are zero results on eBay for fairyology book. Let me check my basement. Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay. Cool. If I find it, it will be your Christmas present. Thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna. I, my thing. I think my goal in life is to write one of those ology books based off the Fast and Furious franchise. Millenniology. <laughs> no, I want to do a fastology. A family can, tree. But you can feel like you know how you can like feel the fur of like a monster on one page. Yeah, I want to like you can feel the bald head of like Vin Diesel <laughs> and The Rock and Jason Statham on and each all page. the bald men that are in these movies. <laughs> <laughs> you can there's spe- like an envelope. Smell the nitrous on one page. I was just gonna say you open up a, like the middle of the book and it's just like cracking open like a can of nos. 
and you're just like <laughs> whiff it. It's a 21 and, and older. The kids, the kids are just zooted. <laughs> it's a 21 and older book because they give you a sample of Corona, like the beer at the end. Yeah. Yeah. That one product placement where yeah. it's like they walk into the house party in Fast and Furious and he's like, get me a beer, but only if it's a Corona. Oh. And it's like, what? This is uh, coming from Kira who promised to watch the other movies but hasn't yet, but she will soon see that every Fast and Furious movie has Corona in it. So. Oh yeah, that's just product placement throughout the whole series. It's a, it, it's a bit at this point, but I I admire it so much. Yeah. Um, we should probably talk about holes. I guess. Yeah, I, probably not. As always, I fo- not as always, I just I just derail it with fast talk. My bad. Um. <laughs> I um, um loved. I love every single scene with the family. The mom and the dad and the grandpa, like on yeah. their side. Mm-hmm. The way the way they interact is so cute, and I love like a good family that loves each other in a children's movie. And um, I like how they are, how they uh, ex, uh, how they bring the exposition, how they tell the exposition by like telling stories around the dinner table and stuff. yeah and like it's also a very like realistic depiction of like lower to middle class family like because i feel like a lot of times like even disney movies like they'll be like we're poor but then they live in like a giant house but like in this movie it's like the grandpa and uh stanley like share a room like it's very obvious like it's very believable that they're like lower income and it's like and like also like just their like the inner like connectivity of the family dynamic is just so sincere to watch mm-hmm. and i and whoever plays the grandpa he's like adorable like just he, he has such like a warm presence <laughs> like he's a, he's a great movie grandpa i was yeah. thinking that i was like gonna make a joke that's like inventor dads and wacky grandpas are zillennial canon but then i was like but this movie actually like justifies having a wacky grandpa and an inventor dad because, like, the wacky grandpa is because he's literally, like, cursed and, like, is trying to pass on the story of this, like, weird-ass curse that, like, ruins the family. And then, yeah. like, the inventor dad is just because he's also cursed and is trying really hard to, like, make something of himself. Um, and I feel like it's amazing when movies can take these zillennial tropes and make them, like, so, like believable and sincere yeah uh and i'll also say like i'm aware that it's all part of like the whole curse aspect of this movie but it's kind of hilarious like how unbelievable the court hearings are in this movie like against stanley like it's very plausible that he just found the shoes like there's no evidence that he stole them like you're telling me but then they went into his house and they saw that his family was obsessed with stinky shoes and they had (laughs) he had his posters on the wall yeah i know but like it's not it's just weird like the no i know what you're saying though like the entire court here is like like they got they got the the guy that like signed the shoes that's based off of like to come to court he's like man if you steal you're not a real fan of mine like it's so funny like but how, but, um, but children don't need to know the ins and outs of uh the legal system all they need to know is that the criminal justice well, system is corrupt yes i agree but i think it's funny like the extremes this movie goes to to um 
portray like how bad the curse is but then also like at the end like it goes to extremes of showing you how like good life is for them when the curse is broken uh i i thought that was really fun yeah and i really liked how in the end not to jump ahead um that like they were millionaires Mm -hmm. but like they lived in like still like a middle class house kind of like upper middle class like and like hector and his mom live next door um and then they just like all hung out in their backyard like i thought that was like so sweet yeah like that they didn't just like buy mansions and like they were able to like reunite hector with his mom and like i don't know they like used it for like good yeah Yeah. memory um they adopted zero Mm -hmm. so i i forgot that they found his mom so i was like sobbing no same (laughs) same i thought they had adopted him Maybe no, I book. I remembered them uh, like because I I've always remembered like the bus station scene in this movie because I just always remember it making me like really well, not, like sad but like sad happy like mm-hmm. when I was a kid even like because I it, I remember like this is one of the first movies I cried during when I was a kid because I just got really invested in the characters and just the, the whole like there's no like dialogue I mean it's like very minimal dialogue but it's like the hug like when they see each other it's just so. Oh, it, it gets me like every time I watch it. Like I've seen this movie a billion times and it never doesn't get me, you know? Yeah. And also there's like the narration over it where he that is like uh he's it's just like a resol- resolving uh voiceover. It really gets you. Yeah. Like, and talking yeah. about how like Yeah, the like they had to get private investigators to like find his mom. Like yeah. It's wild because Hector was in like a like a orphanage or like a homeless shelter. Um, and they never really set up, I don't think, like how he got separated from his mother or his family. But yeah, that was still really, really moving and really upsetting, honestly. Um, but like obviously cathartic to see that they're about yeah. together again. And also like I'll say like each like uh I guess employee warden whatever like at the uh, at the camp mm-hmm. like it's really satisfying obviously to like see them go down yeah. at the end but like the movie kind of perfectly builds each individual like up really well like Tim Blake Nelson's character he starts off okay where you're kind of like oh I kind of like don't mind him but then like when as soon as he starts like bullying Zero it's like damn like I really want to see like this this dude get like punished and like yeah. Um, I mean, Sigourney Weaver, like, I hate her character, but, like, she's so fucking good at it. She's unfortunately so hot in this. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so she appears after Patricia Arquette I think and in my head I was like oh yeah like I know that Sigourney Weaver looks good in this movie but then Patricia Arquette appeared and I was like are you fucking kidding me um (laughs) and also like I don't know a better concept than the character of kissing Kate Barlow um yeah I don't know I don't know a better love story than a school teacher and an onion farmer 
Yeah, um, I can fix that. Most romantic line in cinema history. Can we? I was not prepared. I knew it was coming, and he said, I can fix that, and I, like, gasped and teared up, and I was like, I was not ready. (laughs) (laughs) Like, her arc of just getting revenge by just robbing banks and killing everyone... And then, and then kissing them after. Yeah. She said, "We live in a society, but I don't want to." She's the Joker. <laughs> it's, literally, it's literally the best villain origin story, and villain story. Yeah. Um, which personally, I don't think she's a villain. I think she's right. Kissing oh. Farla had multiple points. I, oh, I she's valid. Yeah. Yeah, completely valid. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I really liked all those flashback sequences. Like, yeah. I, I think they work exceptionally well. And I feel like most of the time, like with these kids movies that have like these flashback sequences, like trying to add exposition to the story, like that usually doesn't work for me. But this one, I mean, it's kind of like what you're saying early, Kira, like how this movie has like no plot holes. Like it all just ties together so well that it doesn't, feel unnecessary like it all fits together perfectly in the narrative yeah. it's so well paced there's like yeah yeah it moves so fast yeah also, that's another great thing it's like so entertaining like it's yeah. never boring also the fact that they're jumping back and forth between like four different timelines yeah yeah and it like never gets like confusing or like exhausting to watch in any way also yeah. really quick about um kate barlow the arquette family is definitely zillennial canon because we have fully talked about patricia alexis and david already on this pod and i expect to talk about them all more <laughs> yes uh yeah they're all uh zillennial legends i think yeah um, zillennial hall of famers the entire arquette family yeah uh <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i don't know like she's she's really great in this one uh and like i forgot that it was her like i remember yeah. the character perfectly like i remembered how she went out like i remember her entire character arc but i just forgot just I, I think it, most badass way if i'm being honest years oh my god find it. such a great line delivery oh and my god she just dies <laughs> yeah we're just going to really quick take a break for a word from some of our sponsors. Thanks, guys. Hey, friends. Do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies. So much that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts advocating for the immediate production of a third national treasure, to comfy sweatshirts that serve as a call to arms for all those in support of making Judy Greer America's lead. Speaking from my own experience, my super yaki t-shirts and sweatshirts are my favorite and comfiest things in my closet. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors, like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks, and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. 
As a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with the code SUPERFRIEND. That's one word, SUPERFRIEND, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. That's super, Y-A-K-I, dot com. Let's watch more movies, guys. Also, the uh, fucking lizards. Is anyone else just... This movie just ruined, like, sometimes reptiles for me. Yeah. Um, and snakes. And... Yeah, this movie made me, like, scared of, like, lizards in general, I think. Like, when I was a kid, I was like, how did they get these uh, poisonous animals on set? I, <laughs> I was like, oh, they painted yellow, 11 yellow spots on bearded dragons. <laughs> these poisonous animals um yeah i um those are like really scary and also like another really depressing thing is that the i don't know if the movie open yeah i think the movie opens with it but it literally opens with a kid getting bit by a rattlesnake on purpose to like leave the camp like, that's oh, such yeah. a depressing, not to, like, bring it down again, but that's a very depressing way to, like, give exposition to, like, the setting of a movie. Well, that's what I uh, think I love most about, like, not only this movie, but, like, a lot of other early Disney movies like it, where it just has this tone and, like, I, I hate to say the word edginess, but, like, it does have a sense of edge to it that other more modern Disney films don't have anymore that like it establishes the tone and the situation of the camp like immediately so like it's not like this place is played for laughs like you legitimately fear like what stanley's gonna have to face when he gets there because of the opening scene you know um which is like what makes it so like terrible like when he's at the court hearing and he's like uh well i've never been to summer camp before you're like oh fuck like (laughs) you probably would have been better at juvie like it's so bad but yeah it just that opening is like the opening and like all the flashbacks i sincerely forgot how like dark they are at points yeah but it all works so well like it never feels like a jarring in tone it never feels like too much for kids but it really this movie really presents kids with very serious topics but it's never like gory for the sake of being gory or brutal for the sake of being brutal it like never crosses that line which is very rare yeah ever also i think like a lot of like the violence and stuff was like really this is gonna sound so weird but like really like an old-timey like interesting way like the venom and like the nail polish and stuff and like um like i don't know like it it I guess that kind of adds to, like, the idea of, like, the generational curse kind of, like, carrying the movie and, like, them always going back to, like, the past and stuff. But, like, I don't know. Like, they're... I don't, I don't know how to describe it. But it just felt like, like, old old West. <laughs> like, even in, even in, like, present times, it felt like... Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just always have thought about that nail polish with the venom in it and it has always been jarring to me when she slashes John Voight across the face with it. It's so like, it's such a great moment though. Like she, I mean, that just goes to like Sigourney Weaver's like screen presence in general. Like she is just able to fucking 
move a scene like she carries the weight of that scene on her back like i mean don't get me wrong shy is great in it but like it's all because of like you believe how intimidating she is until that point that you truly have no idea what she's gonna do and then when she fucking does it yeah it like it hits you so hard but when Um, when she first arrives like i couldn't remember like i remember she had the nail polish and that she slashes uh john voight's face but in the beginning when she arrives um in her cool cowgirl outfit i had originally thought i was like aside from her being like a prison warden like is she like nice like i can't remember and i'm like no (laughs) no she is not she is just quietly the most evil person (laughs) of all movies ever (laughs) because she's running a for-profit prison camp the prophet in question being family treasure like yeah. what <laughs> what a yeah, I mean, this, concept this movie does tell kids like prisons will exploit people for gain yeah. and like it tells you that at a very young age yeah. um but yeah i mean but the thing is like she just plays it so well like she's already like one of the best actresses of all time like she can fucking nail anything but like it's just the fact that she was able to bring it. Like, the fact that they got her for this movie is so impressive. And, like, she just gave it everything. And uh, such an iconic character, I think. I love Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, about the warden, I kind of like what you said, Kira. I didn't exactly remember everything about her character. But when her flashback comes up, and she was like, we had to dig a hole every day, even on Christmas. It just, like, clicked in my brain, and I just, like, recited the scene along with him, where she's like, I'm tired of digging holes, and she's like, too damn bad. <laughs> I, I feel like I felt that way for some reason. I haven't watched it in so long, but I felt that way about the end scene with the commercial, where it's like... They call me sweet feet, but she calls me stinky feet or something like that. <laughs> Nobody wants to buy me in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he goes, and I love the tingle or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's in like a weird like ceramic like bottle that has like a foot on the bottom. Like it's like <laughs> the most impractical thing of all time, but it's like hilarious. Yeah. Um very two thousand and three. Yeah, I would say so definitely. Um, yeah, but going off of that, like he names it, what is it, Sploosh? After Sploosh, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which okay, I don't like that word. Um, <laughs> but then I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, that's what like Hector called like the jars of peaches. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, this movie is so good. And like, <laughs> sorry, my headphones were falling off. I was too passionate. Um. Like, it is just so detailed in, like, things that just, like, don't even have to be connected. Like, him, like, sitting... Like, they never reference that he's sitting under, like, Sam's boat. And that Kate's peaches are being kept under Sam's boat in the middle of the desert. Like, I feel like they never reference that. Yeah. And then... It's like, put it together yourself. And, like, oh, the onions are where he would go to. He says it. I want to go across the lake to get the onions. Yeah, and... Like, they never, like, they never, like, say it up front to, like, the audience. Um, And, like, they, like, 
I like I can't remember. They don't know about like Sam, Sam the Onion Man and uh, Kate, right? No, they don't. But like they. Uh, so Stanley knew about kissing Kate because his grandfather or great great grandfather had been robbed by. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh right. He doesn't know the origin story or about Sam. Yeah. So it's just like amazing that like he I don't know like him carrying Hector up the mountain broke the curse and then they were like all the onions from Sam to like replenish them like growing on the mountain that they were able to eat which is funny that they just ate onions for like two days straight yeah. I find that funny magic um, onions. yeah magic onions <laughs> that got the lizards away which I believe it at this point like give me anything I'll believe it with this movie but um yeah I just thought like little little details like that that connected them just like is probably like some of the strongest writing not even just in like kids media but like in a lot of things that I've seen like it if I think about it I'm like oh that feels kind of on the nose but it's just it's not on the nose it's just telling a story with a lot of interwoven parts well you know Mm -hmm. like yeah with the uh and it really uh hmm, sorry part of it is like what we were just talking about, like, what do the characters know and what does the audience know? It's kind of hard to keep track of. Um, so that one line where uh, Shia LaBeouf says, I'm imagining how good Mary Lou looks in a bikini, but, like, Mary Lou is the donkey. I thought that was so funny. Oh, yeah, and, that's funny. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So many details. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it's like there's so much dramatic irony in the, in the movie where we know things that the audience doesn't, but that was just, like, one little fun thing that we knew to remind us that the characters don't know everything that we know. Honestly, is dramatic irony not, like, the best thing in cinematic history? Like, it's honestly often the best thing that ever happened to me. (laughs) Buddy. (laughs) I'm in an intro into literature analysis, or literature criticism class right now. Dramatic irony has been my life. This yeah. podcast, this podcast is dramatic irony. When I post screenshots of our texts on Twitter, and you don't realize that I do, and all the listeners have seen it, and you haven't. Oh no, I they know I, I'm a, they know I'm all aware. the funny things that that you that you text, and you haven't seen them, but the audience has seen them because they follow us on Twitter, and I, I'm you aware never answer you, my text. I'm aware that you post them. I just honestly don't have the energy to acknowledge my own <laughs> shit half the time. I like I usually send them in a split second without even giving any kind of critical thought and then you post it on Twitter and I'm like cool (laughs) no that's what makes you so funny is that you just send things without any critical thought and they end up being hilarious (laughs) that's maybe the nicest thing you've ever said to me (laughs) yeah no problem (laughs) um but yeah um I I wrote that I'm scared of the lizards um also um, at the end, okay, when it's, like, the voiceover, like, talking about, like, the fate of, like, all of them and, like, the camp and stuff, is it not the most, like, Eric Andre saying, like, do you think Margaret Thatcher had girl power moment of all time of him saying, they made it a girl's camp. Like, what is that supposed to mean? Yeah. 
<laughs> like, do you think Margaret Thatcher had girl power? They made this a girls' camp. It's fine. <laughs> like, um, I don't understand what that's supposed to imply because they just never mentioned it. Maybe because, uh, sorry, that messed up. Um, maybe because Marion always called them Girl Scouts. Yeah, I mean, I always took the ending as like. It was, they were gonna, like, turn it into something other than, like, a, I don't know, like, a juvenile place. Like, it wasn't gonna be that anymore. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Like, I, I never took it as, like, it's now for for girls. It's a prison for girls. Like, I never took it that way. Yeah, but there's, like, no water there. I mean, maybe I'm just being nitpicky because we're, like, adults now. And, no, like... there is rain. There is water because it rained because the curse was broken. And oh, there's... and it filled it. Okay. Yeah. And it yeah. filled up the lake. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Or, yeah, so like, I... there wasn't a lake again, but I, it wasn't gonna, like, never rain again. Right. Oh, I think. Okay, so now the girls can have fun for the summertime there. I don't care. That's that's the way I took it. it but then again, like I never really gave it much critical thought, like I everything else in my life. But yeah, I'm um, thought. <laughs> <laughs> I just take things at face value, which is why I was like, wait, they're putting the girls in prison now. <laughs> <laughs> Completely forgetting like the emotional catharsis at the end of the rain coming. <laughs> <laughs> wrap it up girls we're going to camp <laughs> like yeah I mean <laughs> come on girlies let's, we're gonna go <laughs> perform prison labor also um, speaking of uh, friend of the pod back to back um, pod that are friends pod of the pod um, there's a Beck song in this for like Okay, so they tweeted us saying, like, oh, like, there's a Beck song in this. I was like, oh, my God. And then I was, like, waiting for it, like, the whole movie. And it's, like, a solid, like, two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> it's when he's on the bus, right? I thought that that was the Beck song, but it wasn't. It was, oh. like, a Beck sound-alike. And then I don't remember what scene the Beck song is actually in, but it's legitimately, like, two seconds. And then it, like, just immediately goes into, like, score. Was it like the it, one where um where they're climbing up the mountain like together, and then it, the music cuts out when Stanley like starts falling and he has to grab the shovel. Maybe. Okay. I Just don't remember. Because <laughs> that's the only other time I can remember there being like music, music. But I was gonna like take a video and send it to them, and it was so short that I just like was like, oh, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, because by the time uh, they sent the t- uh, the tweet, the movie was like over for me. But yeah, that I I always enjoy when I get to see uh, Beck in one of the uh, Zillennial movies. So the music in this movie was so Zillennial, and what I mean yeah. by that is the last three songs of this movie were there was a Doctor John song with the narrative, which uh, rest in peace. Uh, not necessarily millennial, but I didn't want to go without saying it because it's amazing. But then we have the credits where every child actor in the movie wraps a verse. Uh, <laughs> as we have mentioned, dig it up, Adam, uh, Adam's karaoke song. But then yeah. after that, 
we have a butt rock a butt rock version of if only if only did you guys hear that no no it's I didn't. Like, like halfway through the credits after dig it up and after zigzag verse i guess <laughs> there's a like 2003 like alt rock version of the if only the oh, if only the oh my god song and I was like, who is this? Um, and I looked, I, I like looked up the um, band and it's a band called Fiction Plane. They have 3,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. And all 3,000 of them are Adam. Yeah, all, all of them. Every single one. Well, they had a debut album in 2003. I looked this up as well because I just thought it was so funny. And that's when Holes came out. So I feel like their label probably got them this song and they were like, this is going to be your big break. You're having a song in the credits of a movie, a Disney movie. <laughs> and then like, it's but it's the- like during the credits as people are like leaving. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, <laughs> like after all the child stars. <laughs> yeah. It was like, as Disney plus was auto playing the even Stevens movie for me. <laughs> that's that's, why that's exactly what it was. <laughs> because um, I was just like vibing to dig it up and I was like oh my god it's a Shia song but then the other kids started rapping in character and I was like wow I have to hear the whole thing but then it was it was like the hanging tree from Hunger Games but it was, <laughs> it was... oh wait do you remember when Jennifer Lawrence when that song was like remixed um, yeah. and like put on like the pop radio stations what yeah, a depressing time yeah that yeah 2014 <laughs> was a very cursed year for that, many reasons but it, that especially it was that and the cup, the cup song. song i was oh that. yeah I oh god infuriated like yeah why they would feel like we gave them so much money for both of those movies like do you really need yeah to torture us with these two. I have been the most aggressively anti-Anna Kendrick person forever. I think mostly because of the Cup song. Um, but, however, as people may know, I'm a massive fan of the Trolls franchise, so I kind of have to do that. And then I also like listening to the last five years and like crying. I don't. I don't dislike Anna Kendrick or... Jennifer Lawrence in the Hunger Games, but I just hate the big suits that were like We're uh, putting you on the radio. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna put you on the radio. Or the agents that were like, guess what I got in your contract? A song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's funny because it's like it's funny because I'm surprised that Jennifer Lawrence didn't go for like a music career because she is legit like a good singer. Yeah. Um, as we can tell by her just singing that in the movie, like not the remix, and also in Joy when she sings something stupid with who plays her husband? I don't remember. What? In which one? Joy. Oh, enjoy. Um, oh, I've, she sings it with Bradley Cooper, doesn't she? I've tried to repress that no, in my memory. She, no, she doesn't sing it with Bradley Cooper. 
You don't like Joy? No, it's fucking awful. Oh my god, I have it on vinyl behind me, and Jennifer Lawrence is on the vinyl. I, I think she said that The Hunger Games was her first time singing, though. I think she, I watched interviews where she was like, oh, I took vocal lessons to sing this part, and I was so scared. So that's probably why. She's great at singing in Joy. I don't know what Adam's talking about. That movie is Long Island culture. The I, I don't remember the singing part, but the movie itself is... There's like a really dreamy sequence where she sings something stupid with... Let me look it up. Hold on. Really quick. Uh, Zillennial listeners, watch Joy. It's like an incredible... Um, just like, first of all, Long Island culture. Second of all, like... A weirdly realistic, like, portrayal of, like, girl boss without being, like, depressing girl boss. Um, It's literally about the inventor of a mop, which sounds stupid. Um, I actually went to Macy's to meet the real-life Joy, um, who invented the mop, and she had left. (laughs) (laughs) I the movie. It's so good. And I have a picture of me sadly holding a mop um, on at Macy's 34th Street. Um, yeah, I, I will say, I while I don't care for the movie, that picture that Kira is talking about is the highlight for me. The, uh, the mop picture. Yeah, I will post it. Um, yeah. As a treat. Somewhere, as a treat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. She sings with uh, Edgar Ramirez. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Then (laughs) Isabella Rossellini sings in it also, and it's great. We love a good Isabella Rossellini reference. Yeah. This uh, this movie is Long Island culture when I tell you it is Long Island culture. Um, But, yeah, I mean... Sorry, what? It's It's literally history. Like, it's literally long it's island it's her <laughs> it's long island her story like literally she goes to work stressed out at like what i like to imagine is macarthur airport but i'm pretty i'm pretty sure it's just jfk yeah i have no <laughs> idea what any of this is but <laughs> i forget what i was watching but like they called like jfk like airport something different and i was like what? And then I realized it was like <laughs> before JFK was a person. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought of my favorite meme that was like JFK. Imagine, imagine being <laughs> named after a fucking airport. That's my favorite meme ever. <laughs> Such a good one. Yeah, I mean. D- <laughs> Mean holes. Uh, yeah. What can so we speaking say? of JFK. Uh, well, no okay. Dirty, rotten, pig-stealing, great-great-grandfather, JFK. <laughs> <laughs> JFK was not an inside job. It was because of a generational curse that he forgot to carry medicine from the mountain. Oh, yeah, it is. Like, the Kennedys <laughs> is, like, a curse. Yeah. Maybe they should, <clears throat> maybe they should carry his aroni up the mountain. Uh, did we ever maybe then Taylor Swift and that one guy wouldn't have broken up maybe she should tell him to carry a Zeroni up the mountain and finally the wealth will be redistributed (laughs) yeah liberals explain that (laughs) checkmate
<laughs> I just can't stop thinking about this. Maybe the Kennedys should carry a Zeroni up the mountain. Like, is there like a political equivalent to Zeroni? Like, family wise? The lower class that needs to be. Oh, okay. So it's all like one. the wealth redistributed to them. Oh, okay. Got you. Got you. Yeah. We got to carry them up the mountain and then. And by we, I'm trying I, to make a smart. Them. Yeah, we mean them. <laughs> trying to make a smart, nuanced thing. I don't want to seem like we're, we're associated with them. on the pod. I can't. Like, <laughs> yeah, guys, you already know by now. We're not smart. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> we just like to. We just like to say what we feel and. Uh, hope to do well and bring you guys some dumbass content it's usually like 60% talking about the movie and then like 40% just talking, talking about, about other movies other movies are just going fucking feral with memes that no one cares about or finds funny <laughs> yeah I mean we can only hope that they do you know yeah you what uh, what is Lewis Sacker? doing now um I mean, has look. he come out with a book since small steps small steps was fairly not fairly recent it was like 2007 um he's not that old he's 66 um oh but that's like if you're an author that's old enough to be retired i guess yeah he let me see he wrote something in 2015 called Fuzzy Mud. There was also a book. I feel like I remember this. Stanley Stanley Yelnath's Survival Guide to Camp Green Lake. He released that alongside the movie. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, Small Steps was 2006. Um, I'm, I'm going to look him up because I don't know if I've actually read any of his books before. He's from Long Island. Of Wait, course he is. He's from East Meadow. Wow. What a guy. Oh, uh, Sideways Stories from Wayside School. I remember that. He wrote... I didn't I realize that. he wrote those. Yeah. Marvel yeah I used to books. love those books. Dude, I was in a play in elementary school about that book. About like, Wayside School? Yeah, we did like a production of it. That's wild. He like we only in... oh sorry go on oh it's just we like built like a one cardboard box that was like a wayside school and that was our <laughs> one expository shot and then the rest we just pretended we were inside of a classroom nice <laughs> we put on a play of uh fairy tales um that were like funny fairy tales i guess in like second grade and like some of them was based off the Stinky Cheese Man, right? Like the books in the, like the stories in the Stinky Cheese Man book. I don't stinky remember Cheese that. Man. Really? <laughs> I've been sending Sean pictures of the Stinky Cheese Man the past few days, so it's just been like in my brain. Um, because he ate bad brie, so I keep sending him pictures of the Stinky Cheese Man whenever he brings it up. But like, there's it's like the Stinky Cheese Man and other 
something fairy tales. Is that from him? No, it's just in my mind because you were talking about weird school plays. But in second grade, we had one and it was like the paper bag princess. And we had like a fashion show. Like we like Mm -hmm. decorated paper bags and we like wore them. (laughs) And I tried to make mine look like series of unfortunate (laughs) events. Oh, my God. And how did that turn out? Bad. (laughs) Mine turned out pretty bad, too. But I was like the play in the play i was the paper bag princess i remember this and then i remember like there was um like i feel like like back then like things felt like such like higher stakes and like higher production yeah that like when i think back i'm like oh so like somebody was like the dragon but they were really just like running around in circles holding like a picture of a dragon (laughs) just like running laps (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think there was like a three little bears situation too yes yeah I'm pretty sure I did that because like when I was in middle school like our theater like uh or drama class we Mm -hmm. went to the local elementary school and put on plays for like the kindergartners Mm -hmm. and I did like the 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 bear uh What's that bear thing called again? Uh, the three little bears. Three little bears. <laughs> or, no, the, that's the three little pigs. It's but uh, what am I Goldi- about? Goldilocks. 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 <laughs> the three little bears. Three little. Three little bitches. Stop. <laughs> it always resorts back. <laughs> the three little bitches and or three bitches, three bears and the little. B- <laughs> fucking killed me (laughs) yeah but Adam Sidori is found dead in Miami (laughs) found dead a few miles north of Miami (laughs) a few a few few being like 50 the few in question (laughs) we're also a a few miles north of Miami (laughs) yeah the few in question uh <laughs> Can't count. <laughs> I could watch holes like two times over, probably three in the time it took to get to Miami. So interesting. Yeah. Um, we really? could probably watch holes <laughs> six times over in the time it takes to drive to you, if not uh, more. No, more no, definitely. More. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. Say. ten times over. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm only gonna start measuring things in uh, the context of like how many times you could watch holes. Well, um, I remember when I went to go see The Irishman with my friend. I it was an amazing movie, but I turned to her and immediately after it ended, I said I could have watched Ma three times <laughs> in the time it took to watch that shit. <laughs> um. Yeah, Sean was putting something in terms of the length of The Irishman the other day. I think we were just talking about like sitting and watching things that were like long at home and we were like able to see the Irishman in a theater and for some reason like we always think that it's like longer than it was just because a lot of the conversation around it was like that movie is so long that movie is so long and like a lot of it also being like that movie is so long and Anna Paquin has one line and it's like okay pack it up people who don't understand that a female character can be nuanced without talking that she's like actually a main character um but 
yeah, anyway, so we were talking about, like, how long it was. And Sean's like, that movie was definitely, like, four hours long. That was, like, so long. And I'm like, no, it was not. It definitely was not. And he was talking about, like, oh, like, something, like, I could have watched The Irishman in that time or something. And I looked it up, and it was, like, three hours and 15 minutes. And then I was like, wait, just for, like, curiosity, like, how long is Jean Dielman? And it's three hours and 45 minutes. And I was like... I've never watched that in a theater, and I watched it, like, four times at home in one year. Jesus. <laughs> Am I okay? <laughs> no. No, heart emoji. Maybe I am Jean Dielman watching a woman in silence for almost four hours, four times on my laptop in one year. Maybe I'm not okay. <laughs> Is John Dielman? Did we accidentally make John Dielman Zillennial canon? We did, like, inadvertently. <laughs> hey, Zillennials. <laughs> Feeling a crisis in your life? Go watch John Dielman perform household tasks for four hours. <laughs> Especially in quarantine. Stream John Dielman for clear that sounds, skin. That sounds. Yeah. I feel like you would like it. I'm going to say that to anyone that sh- that mentioned John Dielman. I feel like you would like it. Sean Everyone... Dielman sitting silently at her table was Peeling Kira potatoes. during... But, like, that was Kira during uh, the Daredevil episode. Yeah, I was straight up peeling potatoes during that episode <laughs> for the entire for the entire runtime of the Daredevil director's cut. I was just peeling potatoes. Me and George like, bro, that's probably so fucking cool. And I'm just, just like, like peeling potatoes. <laughs> like, wow, <laughs> the female experience. <laughs> well, is there anything else to say about holes? That is perfect. Yeah, yeah I mean, incredible. it's flawless, I think. Yeah. Honestly, it's. I feel like this is just one of those situations where it's like, it's such a great movie that we can't really, like, meme on it. No, not at all. And while it's like, we're not able to make, like, the most fucking annoying memes in the world and, like, be, like, annoying about it, it's like, it is such a delight to revisit something like this. And have it be, like, just such a fruitful experience. And just remembering just how good something is and how it just still holds up and is still so relevant. And I think that all kids should be forced to watch this um, broadcasted on their school TVs that you're able to tune into in any classroom. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if yeah. you're in Florida. Well, me and Mia were like making a list of like movies to like show a kid like at a decently young age, like essential movies to show them. And not so much like in the terms of like they need to see all the Pixar or Disney movies, but like movies that I think could like actually help a kid or like give them genuine like morals to carry with them in life. Mm-hmm. And I said holes is like definitely one of those. Like I had the uh, another one that we talked about was like, uh, have you guys seen My Life as a Zucchini? No, no. <laughs> it's like this really beautiful um, stop motion movie that came out a few years ago. About, oh, um, yeah. And it's about like these. Um, it's French, uh, although they did an American dub, which actually it's one of the few dubs that I like. But um, so like these orphans that are like 
they just live in an orphanage together and it's like it's a very sad portrayal of like but it's also like uh finding family like wherever you can find it with the people that you love and it's just a beautiful movie um and like i said that's like a big one that i would show my kids but like holes is probably like an essential viewing i think like yeah and i can only pray that if i ever have kids like they would actually like take to this movie because i don't i would love to like talk to a kid that sees this for the first time in 2020 and like see how they like react to it yeah um yeah you gotta tell your kid every night before bed like make sure you carry a zeroni up the mountain because <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to know what'll happen if you forget to <laughs> you run away to america to seek like bigger and better things and you forget to carry the fucking zeroni up the mountain it, your your life is over buddy you're be cursed for forever and eternity exactly <laughs> can we also just admire her line delivery of that it's fucking incredible yeah. Eartha Kitt is Iconic. the best person we could ever ask for yeah, you know I, uh, we stand <laughs> is Eartha Kitt's millennial canon yeah I mean no, between, this, of, yeah. between this and uh and Emperor's New Grieve, she's automatically, like, on the list. Like, yeah, she... like, that's, like, what Zillennials recognize her from. So it's definitely, like... What's her new Emperor's New Groove character name again? Yzma. Yzma, that's right. Like, she has so many iconic lines and, like, yeah. memes from that role alone. But alone, Madame Zeroni. Like, she's Zillennial queen. Like, yeah, just from those two alone, I think. You heard it here first, folks. Eartha Kit, ultimate Zillennial canon. Yeah. Who was it so far? It's Shia LaBeouf, Mullet Fingers from Hoot. Uh, He's one of the him and Nancy Myers are like the only like celebrities that I follow on the on the Pons Instagram account. (laughs) (laughs) I don't called in and asked what Cody Lindley was up to. (laughs) He's still like teaching acting classes and stuff. Like he's just hanging out. He's uh. Acting classes over Zoom, I'm pretty sure. So he he's a he's a good egg. Yeah, staying safe in quarantine. Yeah. He also posted, I don't know if you guys remember when uh when they called it when Trump lost, um, he posted that he posted himself saying it, but he also he also posted the screen cap from I think it was Hannah Montana that he was on where he's like, and I said to Mr. Trump, No, you're fired. <laughs> And he, like, posted a video of himself saying it. He's like, you guys have been waiting for it. Like, here it is. And then I said to Mr. Trump, no, you're fired. (laughs) So he kind of, like, made a resurgence because of that. Like, because Zillennials were, like, posting about, like, not even him saying it, but, like, posting the picture of him and Hannah Montana saying that. What's the character's name on Hannah Montana again? I could not tell you. Was he Jake? I don't know. I mean, I remember that line. Uh, Jake, Zeke, Cody. Oh, yeah. That's like all. Uh, yeah. yeah, he was Jake Ryan. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Cody Lindley. He was on Dancing with the Stars. Wow. Oh, was he? Yeah. Wow. He co hosted the 2008 uh, Disney Channel games. Damn. Damn. What a time to be alive, honestly. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, 
Cody Lindley reminded me. I listening to this podcast has made me think a lot about what is a millennial, mm-hmm. and I've come to a conclusion, which I call the White Claw Law. Mm-hmm. And I believe that if you were in college when White Claw came out, you're a millennial. Oh, yeah. At any at any level, right? At any level in college, like if you were freshman to senior when White Claw came out, or eighteen to twenty two when White Claw came out, because we had MD twenty twenty before, and then it just changed the game, and that's was Gen Z. Yeah. very accurate actually i really like yeah that. like if you if you have drank a white claw in high school you are not allowed to listen to this podcast no never. that's what we're trying to say first <laughs> of all because you are a criminal second of all because you are too young to listen to this podcast even if you are an adult <laughs> unless you're a patreon subscriber then you're more than yeah one. yeah even if you're if you're five years old and you took your mom's credit card and subscribed to our patreon you're welcome here. <laughs> if you're five years old and you're sending us Patreon money from your mom's <laughs> credit card, please send us the rest of the digits. And the <laughs> that, please. You can DM us on Twitter. Just press the zero a few more times. <laughs> the zero is the one all the way to the right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good... I usually am like, if you kind of remember 9-11 but you remember Michael Jackson dying more than you remember 9-11 yeah uh, I like remember... you remember both of them but you remember Michael Jackson dying more than 9-11 I remember like kids like not going to school on the day of his funeral like there are people who like their sick note the next day was I was watching his funeral from home wow yeah Dang. There is the Leo Cannon. Well, yeah. I mean, note, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> We've discussed our memories of Michael Jackson dying. Everyone go back and listen to our Transformers episode. Speaking of Shia LaBeouf, we go in depth about Michael Jackson's death. And I oh, won't yeah, explain why. I won't explain why. Just go listen to the Transformers episode. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, well, I never did. I never forgot Michael Jackson's death, which makes me a zillennial. <laughs> I think I try to repress what I say on this pod to make myself feel good about me not saying anything fucking stupid. When in actuality, I only say stupid shit on the pod. Yeah, I mean, I just have zero brain cells. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> and that's on right. mental illness, love. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. So, do we want to wrap it up? Sure. Cool. So, Deirdre, you have some stuff to promote here. Yeah. So, this is coming out on Thursday, right? Yep. If you're listening to this on Thursday, I have an EP coming out tomorrow. Um, if you're listening to this after Thursday, I have an EP out, and you should listen to it. Um <laughs> It'll be anywhere that you listen to music, probably, um, under my name, Deirdre Crean. That is spelled V-E-I-R-D-R-E-C-R-E-A-N. And you can follow me on Instagram at Deirdre Crean or on Twitter at Deirdre's Music. 
And yeah, I'm really excited. And I will be linking all of that in the description of this episode. So you could just click through and see all that. And we're very excited to hear yeah. the beautiful music. And yeah, I can't wait to listen to it. Excited. Thank you, Adam. Yes. I did the cover art. art. (laughs) You can look at some beautiful art and then listen to it at the same time. (laughs) Well, you've already listened to an hour and a half of some beautiful art today, so you've already accomplished half of it. All right, Adam. Oh, your shit. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, uh, you can you can follow me on Twitter if you haven't already. Adam underscore not Sandler. Um, we also have the aggressively okay podcast. Um, still going as fucking stupid as ever. Uh, <laughs> listen if you want to. Probably don't. It sucks. Um, and uh, also the aggressively okay productions. We're actually doing some projects together soon, like actual movie shit. So keep an eye on that YouTube channel, I guess. Um, and yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah. Um, you can always follow me on Twitter at garlic emoji. Um, if you want to like leave a review because they're fun to read. Also, like, I feel like we're always like, you guys all follow us on Twitter anyway, but honestly we have like randomly like new listeners that we don't know. So welcome. I'm so sorry. Um, hope you are somewhat enjoying yourself um so yeah garlic emoji on twitter you could review us um zillennial canon on instagram zillennial canon on twitter um for just memes and bullshit um so deirdre thank you so much for speaking with us about holes and i'm so glad that we could talk about a movie that's so special and probably objectively the best children slash family movie ever made yep thank you for having me um we love it i love them can i (laughs) can i do a bit to send us out that of course please (laughs) please do we love this (laughs) good night to squid and armpit (laughs) onion farmers and school teachers people whose names are spelt the same way forward as they are backwards (laughs) and to the cameras in the showers at Camp Green Lake. (laughs) 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 Fucking A+. (laughs) I didn't even have to pull out my Bernie Sanders impression because Bernie has arrived. As Deirdre said, good night. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everybody.